ever wonder when Spider-Man goes to the bathroom if the toilet paper sticks to his fingers? You ever wonder why Superman wears his underwear outside of his pants? My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the jock! And he's the nerd. And we're your hosts for the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we sometimes try to attempt to answer these questions. This is a full spoiler podcast, and we swear a lot. Check it out for awesome geek news, interviews, and comic book reviews. Visit jockandnerd.com. We are your superhero TV, movies, and comic book culture curators. Boom. Jockandnerd.com. Jockandnerd! This is Sarah Miller from Ink Master Season 2, and I have issues. Hey guys, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. As always, I'm Adrian. Today's going to be a really fun one. I'm sitting down with Micah Myers, who is a comic book letterer and also writer who's worked for some pretty awesome indie companies, including Zenoscope, Alterna, 215 Inc., Devil's Due, and a bunch of other really cool companies. And right now he's working on a book called The Disasters, which will be released for Loophole Comics. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So, ladies and gentlemen, Welcome, Micah Myers. Micah, how's it going, man? It's going lovely. Before we get into anything else, let's tell the good people what The Disasters is about. Uh, the Disasters is about four supervillains who are all the C-level villains. None of them are like the Joker. They're all kind of at the Killer Quilt kind of level. <laughs> nice and, reference. Uh, it's an action comedy book, kind of like Justice League International from the 80s and 90s and uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man. It's more comedy and action. It's not, you know, dark, gritty supervillains. It's not, you know, there's no deeper meaning about it. You know, it's not going to make you think about the way you view life. It's just a fun, silly comic book. But there's going to be a lot of action in it, too. But it, it's 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 going to be good. Trust me on that. It's going to be good. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's about four supervillains who are all brought together one night from bizarre circumstances. They all play part in accidentally killing a superhero. Oh. Yeah. So then the four of them are brought together to protect each other, to help each other, because now they're on the run from everybody, from the police, from other superheroes. They got to, you know, stick together because they're all kind of culpable in it together. The first issue, which is what we have going Kickstarter right now, is let's see, there's going to be five different artists drawing the book. Each character is going to have their own five-page story by a different artist, and the stories will tell like a little bit of backstory, maybe kind of an origin story, if you will, and then will lead into the night of them killing the superhero. That would be the first issue. From there, hopefully in the future, hopefully from interest in this and interest in buying it after the fact of it being printed, we have a second issue my plan right now is maybe a second issue that tells the rest of the story maybe like one big oversized issue or maybe two issues it depends on how it all breaks out but right now we're focusing on getting this one made we have art from daniel franco bobby simpson um Marie inger morgan sawyer and Joe Badone all doing art on the inside of the book and we have a cover by paul gory and the cover is colored by uh josh jensen so we have tons of artists on this book. Like you said, I'm a letterer most of the time. The writing I do, which is this is I've done a couple of short stories and anthologies. 
Uh, this will be the first writing thing I've done, like a full-size comic. I don't really plan on becoming a full-time writer. I don't think that any of my book ideas are going to get me into a publishing deal with any companies. I letter all the time. That's what I do. That's what I love to do. But I do have ideas for stories, and I have connections with artists, so might as well use it as an opportunity to create my own thing. Something fun to have of my own, uh, be able to share my ideas. But uh, there's no real big plans of becoming the next big thing in comics as a writer. I want to become the next big thing in lettering, which there's no real such thing as the big thing in lettering because no one really cares about us. <laughs> well, that's not entirely true, though. And I'm going to be completely honest. I consider myself a writer. So usually when I would read comic books as I grew up, I lean more towards the storylines. And then as I got older and I met a lot of other comic book fans and like uh, my good friend at the time, he is huge into art. So now it's like I'm being introduced to that world of art. And since getting older and especially since doing the podcast, you now realize that it's more than just story and art. You know, someone has to, of course, letter it and whether it be the action bubbles or the text and things like that, like that all comes together. And you know, it's not just one or two people who work on a comic. It's it's a very large team. You can be a very small team, but it, it's a very important thing. And recently I had uh, Taylor Esposito on a show who's also a letterer. And that's something I realized. I'm like, man, I don't think a lot of people really know exactly what letterers do. And I know it may sound like a dumb question, though, but I guess it's one of those things that give a little bit of detail as far as what you do in lettering, as far as what that entails exactly, because I don't think a lot of people know about this. Well, for the most part, we do all the dialogue, the balloons, the sound effects, captions, that kind of stuff. We get the script and the artwork most times we get colored artwork. So sometimes, depending on who you're working for, if it's one of the bigger companies, you just get the pencils and you letter on that. And then since it's all done on computer, you can just drop your letters on the colored pages once they're done. That way the letterer and the uh, colorist can work at the same time. Right. But mostly done in computer. There's only a few people that still do it by hand, but they're mostly the people that have been doing it their entire lives by hand. Like, like a Todd Klein or somebody like that that's been working in comics forever. And I think even he is now mostly on computer, but I may be wrong. I don't know them that well. But yeah, we do all the sound effects, the balloons, the words, all that kind of stuff. We get the script and who you're working with, the writer and all. They have exactly what they want, and sometimes they trust the letterer, and we can kind of put our own kind of spin on it, you know, pick what kind of font and what kind of balloons for certain characters, you know, the colors, all that kind of stuff. Mostly, you know, we just kind of not do what we're told, but uh, we follow the script <laughs> and, uh, you know, make sure that it looks aesthetically pleasing and it's understandable. And the main job of the letter is to make the dialogue understandable. Make sure you read it in the right order. Make sure people aren't getting jumbled up, that kind of thing. You can always notice good lettering jobs, whether it be, like you said, the dialogue or even, like, let's say, any of the, the action bubbles and such. Because it's like, I don't really think that a comic could... I mean, you could do a comic without it, and I've seen them without it, but yet, really good lettering makes a book pop, and it's definitely a huge part of the package. Yeah, for the most part, the only time anyone really notices the lettering is when it's bad. <laughs> if it's done right, no one notices it at all. So that's kind of the, uh, I guess, double-edged sword of, you know, 
you do a good job and no one really pays attention to it kind of thing. So let me uh, ask you this, then, do a little uh, origin story of Micah, as you will. So how was it that you got introduced to the world of lettering? Is that where you started, or were you just, I guess, an artist and then decided, well, I really enjoyed this aspect of it and then did it from that angle? Uh, no, I can't draw. I can't draw to save my life. Uh, I, um, I kind of got into it. Just, I didn't really think that I could draw that well and coloring looked way too complicated. So then I got into graphic design. I'd already been in graphic design because I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life pretty much. Kind of just bouncing around from job to job. I went back to school for graphic design and in that found typography and figured that would be a way of getting into comics and a way not to get into comics. Cause there's a lot of letterers that use it as some kind of launching pad to uh, their writing career or anything. I, didn't, I wasn't trying to do that. I just, to be involved in comics, this is my way since I can't draw and I don't want to learn to color. <laughs> this is my way that I can be part of a comic book. And I practiced at it and practiced at it. I um, wrote into Chris Crank and Mike Norton's podcast, and they gave me uh, some hints and tips of where to go to look for work and to get advice from. And pretty much I just practiced and practiced. For the longest time, I I would do it when I wasn't at work at my day job. I would be playing on the computer at it, and I did that for about a year or two. And... When New Year's rolled around, I said, I'm, you know, I need to either focus on doing this or I need to, you know, get a real job or find something else to do. So I started applying for jobs um, online for um, comic book jobs. And eventually somebody, you know, let me letter a comic book and another person and another person. And I got better and better at it. And eventually people started paying me and I got laid off from my day job. And Oh, sorry to hear that. Oh, no, that's all right. Because it, it all worked out and they were horrible people anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, As someone who just recently got laid off of his job, I said the exact same thing. And it's like, I know I probably should feel worse about it, but I'm like, nah, screw it. Oh, this was like two years ago. They laid me off and I, f- I found out later that the business got shut down. Uh, and I could not feel happier, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but because I got laid off of that, I focused a lot more on getting jobs and lettering while I was trying to find something else. Cause at the time it was just me working. Uh, my wife was in nursing school. So, um, I was picking up as much lettering work as I could and trying to find another day job. And right. pretty much I picked up little odd jobs here and there until she finished nursing school. Um, and then, um, I kind of told her, you know, I'm making kind of like part-time money lettering at this point. I think if, you know, with her job in nursing and that if this keeps building, then this could, I I might not have to go find another day job. And she let me kind of do it for a little while. And it like, it actually kept building and now nice. this is all I do. So <laughs> to be able to do that on a semi-regular basis, that's pretty remarkable. Definitely. Yeah. There's very few people that, especially in lettering, that can do it full time. And if my wife you know, pretty much didn't support us uh, for the majority of the money, there's no way I'd be able to do it full time. But definitely I appreciate all that she does letting me pursue this. And it's not easy all the time, but, you know, yeah, I get to work in comics and she's doing her dream job. And so we're we're making it work now. You've been lettering for quite some time. Yeah. So at what point does then the disaster start to kind of 
gain a little ground. Like, at what point is, do you decide, I've got the story I kind of want to tell? Um, that was about a year and a half ago. I started coming up, uh, realizing that, uh, not realizing, but I, I kind of have, I've, you know, from when you're a kid, you kind of have the ideas of your own superheroes and your own characters drawing little notebooks and everything. And yep. <laughs> so about a year and a half ago, I kind of thought, you know, I can actually maybe do this. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm making connections and I'm, I know people now and this, I can actually do this and slowly I kind of got stuff together and got artists that, you know, wanted to help me out. And I've, you know, been able to give them a little bit money here and there to, to do the, you know, work I've had them do so far. Now I'm just, you know, I've gone to the Kickstarter to fund the rest of it because, uh, artists are expensive. <laughs> uh, and, you know, about a year and a half ago, I said, you know, I've come up with other characters too and, Eventually, hopefully, I'll be able to, you know, make some more comics. But this is the first time I've actually let the ball start rolling because there's a lot of I have a lot of problems with. And I think a lot of people have the same problem, especially in comics and with in art uh, of just trusting myself, trusting to just just do it. Right. I think a lot of people struggle with it, especially in, in comics. If you sit around talking about how I'm going to make that comic one day or I'm going to I'm going to start drawing and. And I'm going to be a comic book artist someday. And you sit and you keep saying that to yourself. And that's, like I said, for the longest time, for like two years with lettering, I said, I'm, I'm going to be a letterer. And then eventually I got sick of it. And I actually start, went out and applying. The only way you're going to work in comics, the only way you're going to really, I guess, probably achieve anything in life is if you actually do it. If you want to work in comics and you want to pursue that, you have to just do it. I guess that's true for anything in life, but, you know, quit sitting around and talking about it and actually doing it is the <laughs> thing that got it really got me started in comics. Yeah, uh, I know. I was just that's so funny. You should say that. And I know it sounds cliche, but I, I think I don't know if that's true for anybody else or if it's a thing only for creative types where, you know, you talk about a project for so long and not that anybody else says it where you literally have to just yell at yourself like, all right, shut up. And then just do yeah. it. And you're like, but, but, but. And you're like, I don't want to hear it. Just just go, just go do it. And, you know, see how it goes. I think it probably also helps if you have friends or a girlfriend or a boyfriend, whatever, or a wife. You're telling them all the time about it. Like, oh, it's going to be great, honey. I'm going to do this thing. And it's going to make us money. Or I'm going to make this thing. And it's just going to be cool. You know, because really you're not going to make any money. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to be so cool. And you they hear about it for months. And then eventually they tell you shut up and do it or just shut up you know <laughs> do it or shut up I don't, i'm right. tired like, of listening to you about it oh man that's so very true i really really appreciate anybody who can you know do that and then just go ahead because starting is the hardest part because once you're in like i can only really equate it like let's say podcasting because i've been doing this for maybe about two years and for a long time before that, I had thought about it because I know a friend of mine had a show and they seemed to be having fun. And at the time, I had a co-host. And before we even put microphones in front of our mouths, we were like, you know, what we kind of talked about on a regular basis would be great for a show. So why not just do it? And they're like, all right. Next weekend comes up. So I want to start that podcast. I'm like, okay. And then one day I'm just like, you know what? I got a little bit of extra cash. I'm just going to buy these damn microphones. We're going to sit down. And we're just going to talk. 
And my friend's like, what are we going to talk about? I was like, I don't know. We'll just start going. And sure enough, you know, two, three years later, it's, you know, I'm still going. So it's like, hey, you're like, starting is the hardest part. And I know that sounds very kind of like lame. But yeah, if you can start, you're pretty much good. Especially if you start and actually bring in other people. Because then not only are you accountable to yourself, you're accountable to these other people. Right. Especially like with comics, you get other people involved in your in like, you know, if you're the writer, you got artists involved in it and everything. They want to get going, too, because they, they one, they want to get paid. But, you know, bringing other people in to keep you accountable also is an amazing part of a uh, <laughs> thing that will keep you motivated. Absolutely. So with the disasters, where did you exactly start with that? Like, I guess with the character design, was that sort of like the first concept that you came up with? Or did you just have the overall storyline at that point? Well, villains stories are always cooler anyway to me. But I, I always love the BC level villains or even bc little heroes when like characters get their own comic you know that usually that are just almost jokes like uh, suicide squad almost one note villains get their own spotlight and you get to see their backstory you know like you know cat and boomerang was just the australian guy with a boomerang you know with a boomerang you know (laughs) kind of like i said like a one note kind of villain and then you know he gets to be part of the suicide squad and you spend issues and issues seeing his backstory like the superior foes of spider-man you know the shocker is a guy with you know that could shock you there i mean that's it's anywhere's like a, a quilt <laughs> for a costume um but you you know spend i think there was 17 issues of that with him and you learn and now you know when there's some other comic where you see him in the background you're like hey it's my guy it's you know you have almost like a personal connection now with these silly characters i always loved that so i kind of wanted to do my own thing of that so I came up with, you know, how many characters am I going to have? You know, my, uh, what am I going to do? And then I came up with the idea of having different artists do each story. So then I went to each of the people that I wanted to do it and told them who the character was and kind of gave them a little bit of a description of what I thought they would look like. And then each of the artists did the actual design. And that was done almost a year ago now because, uh, like I said, uh, comics are expensive to make. So uh, <laughs> it's been a s- slow process. And plus also keeping myself motivated. So um, I had them just each design their own, uh, the character that of the story that they were going to do. That's a really cool idea. I, you know, I didn't really think about it that way, but that's pretty interesting because not only do you have so many different characters, but yet they're all sort of drawn like in a different style because I was looking for the uh, Kickstarter page and everybody has a distinct style and not just necessarily in their powers, but also just in how they're drawn. And I think that's something very special. Yeah, I thought it was a cool idea too. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> for, uh, it's cool because then also as a kickstarter reward each of the artists is going to do a print of the whole team in their style so these characters that were originally designed by somebody else each of them are going to be drawn by each artist in their own style so I, i'm interested in that i think that's going to be cool just for me because uh, i get to see all these characters in all these different styles that i've made so uh I can't have possibly have thought of that up myself. I had to have seen that somewhere else, <laughs> but uh, uh, somebody else had to have done it first and I stole it from him. I just can't think of who it was, or maybe I do know who it was and I just don't want to admit that I stole it. <laughs> but um, 
So, yeah, I, I definitely think it is a cool idea, you know, having different artists. Because, like I said, also, I don't have a lot of plans of writing a bunch of books. So I, I get to work with a bunch of different artists all in one book. So Yeah, and well, you said it yourself, you know, having, you know, people on your team helps you be accountable. So, you know, having like a team of that size, I mean, that's definitely means you got to be on top of your game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's uh, I've gotten a lot of emails over the last year asking when this thing's going to actually start. And I'm like, yeah, it's 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 happening. I'm writing. It's it's doing things. I'm getting there. <laughs> and, you know, so it's it's been uh, a bit of a process. But, um, you know, finally here, finally getting something done. And uh, now I just need to get the Kickstarter successful so I can pay all these people. So you mentioned the variants or some of the other rewards. Any other cool rewards that you may want to mention? Well, we have a variant cover that you get through Kickstarter. Drew Moss, who is a, a local guy in uh, Virginia, he's done work with Oni. He's doing uh, Blood Feud right now. I think it just ended. I think the last issue came out this week or maybe last week. But he's... uh talked with him and he's going to be doing a variant cover for people through kickstarter that's really cool i'm excited to see that because he's a cool artist and a cool dude <laughs> oh i didn't realize drew moss also does terrible lizard another good book yes yeah another only book i got that the week it came out uh because he did a local thing in our uh one of the stores around here my daughter really liked that too i'm still missing issues with that i gotta finish picking all those up so she can uh, finish reading it also we have uh, a like I said, there's variant or not variant covers. Good Lord. Um, prints from all the different artists of the book, but also we have prints from Jesse Lonergan. He's a cartoonist. He's done a bunch of work. He's got a, I found him on Tumblr. I found his artwork on Tumblr. I didn't find him. I like I create, uh, discovered him or something, <laughs> but, uh, I saw his artwork on Tumblr and, uh, following him there. And, uh, he did a book, uh, I believe last year called all stars, uh, for, uh, NBM comics, uh, this is a cool little, like, um, baseball, like a, a little league book. It got a little bit of, uh, press, like on Newsarama and stuff, but he's got a real cool, he's a, a cartoonist. I, I like cartoonist and, uh, cartoony style over, like, the photorealism styles. Yeah. In comics, I always like that better. I mean, comics are cartoons pretty much, so I always like cartoonists better. And also, I just put it up yesterday, there's a print from uh, Hoyt Silva, who uh, has done a lot of work with Devil's Due. He did an issue of uh, Mercy Sparks. He's the reason why I, I get to work with uh, Devil's Due, because he brought me on. Oh, when he, very cool. The issue, the issue he did of Mercy Sparks, and then they kept me on to letter a couple more issues of it. But I saw him at a convention last Saturday, and he told me he uh, he'd be willing to draw something for the Kickstarter, so... Uh, I took him up on it because he's cool and he does good and he does good works. And uh, so he uh, he did a friend of uh, one of our one of the characters and uh, that's already done and up on the Kickstarter. You can see what that one's going to look like. So, yeah, it's a lot of art rewards because, you know, they when I was looking about setting up a Kickstarter, it said, you know, make rewards, you know, like you would want to get. I like art. I like, you know, I mean, uh, there's a lot of times with Kickstarter rewards. It's like you can get a you know, a pocket knife with the logo on it or something or <laughs> something silly like that, which is, you know, cool and goofy and all. But, you know, if you like comics, you like art. So, uh, right. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the kind of stuff I would want to get. So that's a lot of the rewards are, are I guess all the rewards really are art. There also is another uh, thing I'm working on now is a pro wrestling anthology, a bunch of people in the small press that I'm friends with. And I mean, even some people that I don't even 
actually know, or I mean, I know them now, but I didn't know before, are putting together a comic book anthology of pro wrestling stories called Kayfabe, and it should be done, or it will be done, around the same time that the art and everything is done for the disasters. So that one of the rewards is getting the disasters and getting the uh, pro wrestling anthology. Oh, very cool. So that I think that's a pretty cool level. And also, since I have time and I can do this, uh, if you want to be in the in the uh, anthology, look up Kayfabe on Facebook. There's a group. You can join it, and you got about a month to submit stuff. So if you can work fast, you can probably still be in it. Like I said, though, you have to work fast. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, there's some people listening to this that work in comics and also like pro wrestling or somebody that just wants to get in an anthology that can pretend to like pro wrestling. That's good, too. I'm not going to uh, fact check it or anything. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. You're not into wrestling. All right. Sorry. You, you can't be involved. But I noticed there's a lot more comic book, even if not even creators, but also readers who are into pro wrestling. And if you think about it, though, it's they kind of go hand in hand. Like wrestling is kind of like live action comic books. Oh yeah. Especially like the old eighties stuff. Oh was, yeah. You know, everybody had a gimmick and everybody had like a character, you know, like, you know, the dead, you know, undertakers uh, battling, you know, pretty much Hulk Hogan is Superman. So, you know, that kind of, <laughs> especially back in the day, that's, that's, it's all, it was all superheroes pretty much. Yeah. And I've noticed though, I mean, I haven't watched wrestling since probably like, I guess, what was that? Like the attitude era. Of like, you know, oh, WWE. Yeah. Um, so I haven't really haven't been involved in it in like the last, you know, few years or so. But yet I have noticed every so often, like it seems like the gimmick thing is starting to kind of creep its way back in just a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're also now they're kind of like in the attitude areas when it became a little bit more adult. And now they're back to it being a little bit more for kids again. Right. So they're bringing a, a lot more of the silly characters back again. And to tell you the truth, I've always really enjoyed that because I I kind of miss, you know, Birdman or, you know, <laughs> Papa Shango oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Like, this is these really just outlandish characters because, I mean, I'm definitely not that person that says it's, you know, oh, it's fake or whatever. But yet, it's entertainment. You know, you're selling people on a, on a show. So why not just go all out? Like, that's the one thing I really appreciate about, like, Japanese wrestling where it's just really out there. If you wanted crazy entrances, they have, you know... There was a thing, an event last month where I think Hello Kitty came out with a wrestler. Oh. I mean, there's <laughs> some crazy stuff in Japan sometimes. Guys coming out with like the, um, oh, what's his name from Final Fantasy VII? Uh, Cloud, like that huge sword that Cloud has over his shoulder in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Thing that no one really could actually lift. A guy coming out with like one of those and a mechanical uh, Velociraptor. Holy I mean, that, crap, like, that was, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, that's a real entrance. Yeah, there was a guy with a huge sword on his shoulder with like a mechanical uh, velociraptor <laughs> walking out to the ring. Oh, that is awesome. And at that point, even if the wrestling match is complete garbage, there was at least a good, you know, several seconds where it was just amazing and everything came together. Oh, yeah. Hey, okay, man, that, that match kind of sucked. Man, that velociraptor was cool. Yeah, you'll talk about that for the rest of the night on the drive home, so... <laughs> Um, I actually noticed, uh, speaking of wrestling, though, the one thing I did appreciate about um, the one character, like the Enforcer, definitely reminds me of kind of like like a Hacksaw Jim Duggan type. Oh, uh, yeah. it's it, um, I told the guy who uh, is drawn to Bobby Simpson, who's an, also another uh, wrestling fan, I told him to make it look like Arn Anderson. Do you remember Arn Anderson? Oh, very vaguely. It was part of the Four Horsemen and everything. Oh, yes, much, yes, oh, yes. 
I told him to make, make it look like him. You know, like a, a back in the day, yeah, the guys that are just, you know, pretty much they couldn't even be stars nowadays because they were just big, tough-looking dudes. I mean, they weren't – like nowadays, the wrestlers all kind of look almost like movie stars because – for the most part, WWE is trying to make movies, so uh, right. they want their they want their wrestlers to look like models and look like stars. Guys like uh, Jim Duggan and stuff like that they they wouldn't have been uh, stars nowadays. They they could just they look like you know they've been hit in the face with uh, <laughs> uh, two by fours, I mean, right? Like so, that uh, like that bare knuckle brawling like every which way but loose, just like in back like parking lots, oh, just punching yeah, dudes just, out for just, sandwiches. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they look like men. They don't look they don't look like models. They look like men. Like they look like your dad. Oh shit! That's like it's one of the guys I've always just loved about like old wrestling. It's like where did they pull these guys from? Like I'm pretty sure they were like in bar fights. And then there's like a town scout like that one over there. The one who's got like the the chair smashed over his back. He looks like he could take a hit. Bring him over. Yeah, that guy that's still standing. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's bring him in. Yeah. Oh shoot! But yeah, I saw that one. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm sold on this book because I'm like, okay, I'm involved. This looks like so much fun. That's what I hope. I hope it's. Uh, I, I always wanted to aim for fun. I mean, comic books, especially with DC now, everything's kind of came back to what the, like they were in the '90s, where everything's dark and gritty. And I, you know, every now and again, you know, if you want, if you're reading a Batman book, you want it to be dark, but you know. Everything just so dark all the time. I, just, I, I like being able to read a comic and have fun. Like Marvel has tons of books like that now, you know, Squirrel Girl. And um, they get a lot of stuff that's just fun. You read it and it's fun. You go, hey, man, that was just a fun book. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just fun books. That's what I like reading. And uh, that's what I want to make. I want to make fun stuff that you can read and just enjoy. A friend of mine, the one I started the podcast with originally, he was talking about for a very long time about Superior Foes to Spider-Man, and I didn't get a chance to read it because, well, I just kept putting it off like I do a lot of books I say I'm going to read, but it's been talked about a lot because um, some friends of mine online are really into it, so I went back and read it, and that has to be one of like the funniest books oh, <laughs> I've yeah. read in a, in a very long time. Like I said, I, lo- I love BC-level villains getting their own book. You know, getting to see like backstory and you know more about their characters, but just how goofy it was, how still, and the fact that it lasted. Like I think, like every month in the uh, previews, it would say, "Yep, we're still a book." <laughs> I mean, like every, every, it was something like that every month. Like it, it's still happening. I mean, they last. It outlasted uh, Superior Spider-Man. Superior Spider-Man ended, and Peter Parker came back, and Superior Foes was still coming out. Yeah, and I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of Superior Spider-Man. Like, I mean, the concept was, you know, what it was, but I wasn't huge on the actual title itself. But looking back, I really wish I had jumped on a Superior Foes bandwagon when it first happened because, like, I really missed out on that. Yeah, Nick Spencer and uh, oh gosh. The guy who drew it, whose name I went blank on, they yeah they they definitely made a great book and so I've, pretty much now anything Nick Spencer's on, I I immediately I'll at least buy the first issue of and I don't think there's been anything since that I've bought of his that I've gone well that man that was okay I mean pretty much he's made good stuff since I would say 
Nick Spencer, that seems to be his thing, though, because I read his run on um, Avengers World and also, um, shoot, what's the book he's got now, um, like his Ant-Man, where he Ant-Man, definitely yeah. seems to thrive the most when he's writing, like I said, those B-level characters that not a lot of people know about, like especially in Ant-Man, because um, I can't remember the name of the character, the one that's in a bear costume. Grizzly. Grizzly, thank you. Like, I don't think anybody else could ever write for that character the way that Spencer does, because it's just, it's equal parts ridiculous, but at the same time, it makes sense. I didn't even know that was an actual character. Neither did I. I thought he was just made up for the book. Yeah, then I was uh, looking through back issues at a con. I was like, wait a minute, this is the, that's the Duke from Ant-Man. This is an actual thing. He fought Spider-Man back in, in like, the 90s. And that's crazy. That's the 90s. That's not even like the 70s or like late 60s. Like that's fairly recent that that happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I All those men. I just, I just love it. Like, yeah, like if I, when I go looking through back issues, if I find a cover with Batman or Spider, anybody fighting just a goofy looking villain, I'll just I'll just get it. It doesn't matter. It, I'll just get it because it's you can do crazy things with these little one off kind of villains. Right. You can't do you can't do in a main story. I mean, they're it's of course it's going to last one issue and they're going to get, you know, the crap beat out of them. But it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> and that's 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 the key right there. And you said it several times is that that's fun. And don't get me wrong. I love my deep storylines, you know, my complex storylines, because believe me, I'll sit there and read Jonathan Hickman and like I'll basically question my own existence at times. But every so often you just kind of want to kick back and just read a book that's entertaining. If it makes you laugh, great. But I think that in the coming years, I would hope that that continues where more publishers and that I see it in the indie books, especially where writers and you know artists or everybody's just kind of getting together and making just fun books and even if the storyline's a little outlandish i think now because they're told so confidently because that's what the creators really want to tell like we're in this really great time period now where i I think we're going to hopefully see more of that as we go along i definitely hope so because that's said i mean i'll I'll read some dark books too like i said i'll I'll still read batman and uh there's some books that it kind of lends to it you know, being a little bit dark and everything and uh, books like, you know, like Watchmen and stuff are still the best. But to me, I don't I don't want to I don't you know, like you said, you you know, like to contemplate your own existence and that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, when I'm relaxing with comic books, I don't want to think about life and death. I mean, and, and that I don't want to think about it too deeply, at least <laughs> where, I'm, where I'm like, oh, God, I, I like I'm going to have a panic attack. And I've, there's been comics I've read, but also I'm a little bit neurotic myself anyway. But there's been times I've read a comic book and I'm like, oh, God, I think I think I need a pill. I think I need to call, I need to call myself <laughs> down. This, this is too much. <laughs> so. Oh, that that was that definitely happened during uh, New Avengers, the run before Secret Wars, where like they have like the Marvel Illuminati and they're uh, basically trying to keep all of like the different like dimensions or what have you from like collapsing in on each other. And I was reading it, you know, monthly, but then I decided to reread it because, of course, Secret Wars was coming up and I sat there. This is late night 
And, you know, I, I read a handful of issues, like, about halfway. Then I went to bed, and I could not sleep because I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, what if this happens? What if we're a part of a multiverse? What if there's an evil version of me that's trying to kill me? Like, and I don't know, maybe you're right. Maybe it is kind of like a neurosis thing or overactive imagination, but it's like, this is stuff I thought about happening for real. And it's like, could I deal with this? And I'm like, dude, relax. Then I went and read some Ms. Marvel, and I felt better after that. <laughs> So before we close out, though, this is a question I always like to ask occasionally. Do you remember like the first comic you've ever read? The first comic I ever, oh, I remember my dad had comics when I was a kid, but I don't, I don't, I can't actually remember an actual issue number or anything. And when I was got a little bit older, we would buy comics at the um, the grocery store. We get comics, mostly like Spider Man and Batman stuff, and I still have those. Oh, it was like the. Um, I, what was the, the cover that I always think of? Spider-Man fighting uh, Vermin, I think, is who it, what it was. It was like part of the whole Craven's Last Hunt thing. I, it wasn't that storyline though, but it was it was after that. Um, unfortunately, I, I, when I got back into reading comic books in like 2006, which is uh, I got back into reading comic books because of comedians of comedy, the Pat Oswalt and um, what's his was name, Brian Posehn and all those guys. Brian and all that, yeah. In the movie, they the two of them actually go and pick up their comics because it's Wednesday. They're on the road doing comedy and everything, but it's Wednesday. They got to go get their comics. <laughs> and uh, That's awesome. Me and my wife were watching it, and I was, you know, sitting there, and I was like, I don't really have a hobby or anything. I think I'm gonna look into getting back into comics because I mean, how how expensive could it really be? I mean, they're comic books. Oh no! You know, little <laughs> little little did I know. Yeah. I got back, you know, started looking into it and everything, and I found everybody talking about Watchmen. So I read that, and then I said, "All right, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back into, you know, either Marvel or DC. I want to get into one of the companies and just go full force into it." And right. uh, on the side of Watchmen, there's the DC logo, and I was like, "All right, well, it's DC. Then I'm gonna get into DC." So I went to the store and and got the the stuff that DC was putting out at the time. And the one of the first books I got was Countdown number 52. Somehow I still read comics to this day. I don't know how. <laughs> I was about to say, that, it's that a weird a gateway. to get back into comics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, again, this is why I love what we're, what we're into now. Because, thankfully, there's so much stuff to read that you don't have to get stuck. And, okay, see, now I sound like I'm going to, like, trash talk them. But that is a hard, that is a hard uh, place to get in. Yeah, it was. Uh, and at the time, man, uh, at the time, I thought it was still great. I was like, oh, man, this so cool there's jason todd and there's all these other characters i don't know about this is fun and cool and i started buying a bunch of other stuff and there was you know tons of other things that's, i got into that was re- that was really good around that time you know with bat it was like because that was with during uh grant morrison's run on batman yeah and uh so that, that was good stuff in there and uh i got into green arrow really for some reason i really gravitated towards green arrow and that was around the time when he was doing when there was uh the marriage to black canary and everything so that was I thought that was cool, and uh, there was some good stuff, but, oh, man, the countdown stuff. And I bought, like I said, I was still trying to figure the whole thing out, and I bought everything countdown. And they had all <laughs> kinds of story, all the little mini series and little side events with it. I got, I got all that stuff still. I could sell the whole box of it for a dollar, and I don't think, I, I don't think people would be overpaying me for that. Oh, man. I've never, you know been involved in any sort of like heavy drugs or anything like that though but i'm almost willing to argue that comic book collecting is probably more expensive than any sort of drug habit because 
it's not enough to just read one, and especially with those larger events, you you know, you end up you get involved, like you end up reading it all and Dexy you know what book that was originally maybe three dollars or four dollars, you're dropping down and you're you're almost hitting like, you know, triple digits there and you're like, Holy crap, where did where did my money go? Yeah, it took I, it, I will say it took me I would even say a couple of years maybe to figure out uh that I don't have to buy everything. You don't have to buy every single issue in the event. You can just buy what you like and if anything happens that you didn't get, you know, there's people talking about it online and it'll fill you in on the little, you know, what happened in that two or three books you didn't buy or what it took me and even now still I'll, you know, look at what I'm going to be, what I have pulled each week and I'll go, Oh man, I need to, I need to cut back again. I need to figure out which one of these books I actually really like reading and which one of these I'm just buying out of uh, habit or something. I gotta, I gotta make some cuts cause uh, too much money a week. Yeah. And not even just the stuff that's in stores and, you know, so many other creators that I've been meeting, you know, since doing a podcast and on Twitter, everybody's got like these really great looking books and, you know, they may not be as expensive necessarily because they're digital or what have you, but yet, you know, that, that stuff adds up too. And you're like, well, I want to give money to these guys too. And so now that I'm back in the job market, like, well, maybe I might have to get like a little extra side gig just to at least get some comic seed money going. There was, after I got laid off, I had to go to my store and tell them, you know, to stop pulling things for me. And, uh, like eight months where I didn't get, or I couldn't buy comics. And, uh, that's when tax return came in that, uh, the next year I went in and bought eight months worth of comics. I went and it took, I had to go to like three or four different stores to get it all. And I think even then after that, I still had to go online and pick up some, some books here and there. But I remember going back to the store and just picking up hundreds of dollars of books. Wow. And, the people like they were so excited to see me. They're like, "Hey, here, they give me like a here's a box to put it in. You want bags and boards to put? Keep them all safe. Like, <laughs> like, like, like a casino when you're the high roller. Like they were yep. taking care of me and stuff. Like, you want to get you a pizza or something to <laughs> wipe your brow? You're sweating a little bit, buddy. <laughs> they were happy to see. Me. They were happy to me." <laughs> Oh man, the compa game is real. I don't know if anyone, whoever's listening, who may not think that, but it, it's real, man. You know, real, real big money gets thrown down there. <laughs> but Mike, this has been so much fun. I'm so glad we got a chance to sit down and chat, man. I appreciate it. Oh, definitely. I'm glad to be on. I'm glad that you know, I like doing podcasts, and I just nobody really ever wants to discuss anything with the letter. So having an actual book. Uh, it's a nice opportunity to get around. No, a little like, bit. but that's kind of at the risk of tooting my own horn. But that's kind of my show. Like, I, you know, whether you're a comic letterer or publisher, I mean, even if you sell them, you know, that's like it's all part of the it's all part of the community in one way or another. So, I mean, why wouldn't you want to talk to a letterer? Also, sometimes people, like you said, you don't. Even, a lot of people don't even know how comic books work. Sometimes people don't even realize that there is somebody that this is their entire job is just putting in all the words. Yeah. And again, you learn, like, I guess once you, once you start kind of digging a little deeper, you know, you figure it out, but hopefully, you know, it can help shed some light on that. And, you know, I, I don't know if that necessarily is a good thing, but you know, maybe one day there may be like a, a superstar letter who knows. Well, there's, there's guys now that are, uh, breaking into the writing, like, um, Ryan, uh, Ferrier. It's got that. I think it came out this week. Uh, the kennel block, kennel block blues, uh, came out, I think through image. 
Um, but he was, he started out as a letter and, uh, Ed Brichone, another guy who started out as a letterer and then got through opportunities, got into writing and everything. And he's got the violent. There's guys now that are coming up through lettering and then becoming writers and, uh, getting, becoming superstars that way. But they're still letterers deep down. Deep down, they know. Deep down, they're just letterers. He's <laughs> like, they always come back. But before we go, obviously, we want to let everybody know once again where they can check out the Kickstarter for the disasters. And also, please, by all means, anything, any of the links you want to drop people to, like social networking, feel free to drop it all. Go to kickstarter.com and just type in the disasters or just type in disasters. If you just type in the, you won't get anything, but... Disasters. That's the word you want to get in there. Because uh, Kickstarter is, you would think Kickstarter would have like the Kickstarter.com slash, you know, the disasters or slash, you don't get that with Kickstarter. I don't know why. That's but unfortunate. Anyway, yeah. Um, social media and stuff like that. If you go to about.me slash Micah Myers, M I C A H M Y E R S, um, all of my social media stuff, all my, my portfolio, all that stuff is on there. Um, that's the easiest way to find everything. But for the most part, all social media, if you go to anything slash Micah Myers, that's me. So I got I got in early on pretty much everything. And plus, I have a unique name. So no one took Micah Myers. So, <laughs> oh, man, I was just at the patent office the other day. And <laughs> no, let me stop. That's not true. Oh, man, Micah, again, thank you so much for hanging out. And uh, I, I can't wait to uh look more into this and hopefully everybody else listening check out the kickstarter and let's make comics let's get indie comics funded folks definitely thank you so much for having me on here anytime and for the rest of you guys that'll do it for this episode of adrian has issues and we will see you next issue guys i'm adrian and i'm his issues wait what hey guys i'm adrian and i'm wait wait that's not right hey guys i'm adrian and i'm eileen tune in to the adrian has issues podcast each week we chat with some great people including me from time to time comic book creators comedians musicians and actors tax collectors zamboni drivers Point is, basically anyone willing to sit down for a geeky discussion or two on all things pop culture. Visit AdrianHasIssues.com where you can download and stream every episode. Especially the ones featuring yours truly. Visit Adrian Has Issues on Facebook and Twitter. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave a rating and review and tell me how amazing I am. Us. I mean us. Ah, oh, McKenna, you're way cooler than I am anyway. Aw, oh, thanks, babe. Oh, and Adrian Has Issues is also a proud member of the Tangent Bound Podcast Network. Awesome. Nice save, Brodor. <sighs> Visit AdrianHasIssues.com.